The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The November 23rd edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of November 23rd, 2022. Vikings soccer is second in state. Arson trial continued to June 2023. Boys soccer team becomes state champions. Affordable housing, community-driven solutions. Plus, excerpts from the sheriff's log. From the island's sounder, Vikings soccer is second in state. By Jefferson Freeman, Orcas High School student. The 2022 Orcas Vikings soccer season came to a close on Saturday after making it to the state championships where they finished second place. The Friday Harbor Wolverines came in first. The first game of the weekend was against league rivals Mount Vernon Christian. The Hurricanes were coming off a 2-1 upset of second-ranked Upper Columbia Academy, while the Vikings won against number 6 Evergreen Lutheran 6-1. The match was the first of the day, which meant unfortunate circumstances for both teams as half the field had frozen due to the chilled temperatures and would much resemble playing soccer on an ice rink. The two previous meetings had been nail-biters, with the Vikings winning 1-0 and 1-1 in penalty kicks. The Hurricanes made some noise early, but soon enough, the Orcas defense was set in and would be an arduous task for any team to overcome. However, you can easily say the same thing about the Hurricanes, and it would be just as true. The Vikings would end up being the aggressors for most of the match as they controlled the pace of play and possession of the ball, but couldn't find a way through. They finally got their breakthrough with just single-digit minutes remaining in the first half, as Kevin Ibarra-Garcia drew a foul in the penalty box and earned a penalty kick for the Vikings. The man to take would be one Tommy Anderson Cleveland, and the senior captain delivered to give the Vikings a one-to-nothing lead that would lead them into the state championship game. An icon matchup unlike any other would finally have found its way to the state championship. The Friday Harbor Wolverines had taken the St. George's Dragons to penalty kicks, where they held on to their top ranking in the state. The teams had met three times that season, with the Wolverines winning once in overtime, the Vikings once in regulation, and the Wolverines winning the district championship in penalties. Both teams had fought all season for this moment, and with the kickoff, they would play for it all. The Wolverines pushed up early, but the Viking defenders held tight and refused to concede. The Vikings would manage a couple of close calls on the other end, but nothing changed on the scoreboard going into the half. Coming out of the half was a different story, with Friday Harbor taking just minutes to head one in for the lead. With Orcus already in disarray, it wasn't long before one became two, and the Vikings had dug themselves a pretty deep hole. Even with the score, the game was far from over, 
and the Vikings began to push much harder than they had done all game. It was working, chances were being generated, and there were even some opportunities to get to the penalty spot that was ignored by officials. Eventually, Ethan Moss would be the one to break through as chaos in the box was ended as Ibarra Garcia got it to Moss for a final touch. With two to one down, there was life again for the blue and white and opportunities mounted up. The Vikings' best chance wound up stopped by not a defender, but a whistle, as no advantage was given after a handball that had Diego Lago through to a 1v1 with the keeper. It wound up a free kick and nothing would come from it. As the Vikings pressed high, the Wolverines had counterattack chances, many of which were stopped with clean defending. But one seemed to be gone until senior Celia Gruniger gave her last seconds on the pitch to save her team taking out a Wolverine from behind in a heady soccer play that would see a red card shown to her, and she would be forced to leave the field early. The rest of her teammates would follow suit minutes later, with 2-1 to one being the final score and Orcus being left with the second-place trophy. Seniors Lago, Anderson Cleveland, Paxton White, Pedro Guerrero, Greninger, and Nicholas Rivera played their final minutes as part of this golden generation of soccer. Decorated like no other group before them, they will be missed but not forgotten by those who look to fill their shoes in the future. Don't expect this to be the last time you hear about the state tournament in soccer or the rest of the season. The Vikings will return six starters from this team with replacement players already prepared to take the field. Compared with Friday Harbor's 14 seniors, the Vikings will be in a primed position to return the state trophy to East Sound. Arson Trial Continued to June 2023 by Heather Spaulding Dwight C. Henline, a 33-year-old Friday Harbor man, pleaded not guilty to arson on May 26th in the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. According to an order filed in September, the trial set for November 14th at 1 p.m. has been continued to June 20th. Presiding Judge John H. Chun wrote in his order granting continuance that failure to grant such a continuance in this proceeding would likely result in a miscarriage of justice. Additional time requested is a reasonable period of delay, as the defendant has requested more time to prepare for trial, to investigate the matter, to gather evidence material to the defense, and to continue possible defenses, and that discovery and issues in this case are complex, warranting additional time for preparation. Background on the morning of April 7th, smoke billowed over the town of Friday Harbor and areas of Spring and First Street were blocked off to traffic as firefighters worked to extinguish a fire that originated in the Windermere building. According to the probable cause statement, a CCTV video from the Windermere office that faced toward the rear wooden deck area of Crystal Seas kayaking shows a bright flash of light at approximately 10.04 p.m. on April 6. The flash of light lasted approximately 34 seconds before diminishing. 
Based upon an analysis of the video, it is the combined opinion of the subject matter experts from ATF National Response Team that the video depicts fire dynamics consistent with an ignitable liquid, reads the statement. According to the ATF, it is not unusual for a fire caused by ignitable liquids to smolder for hours before flaring up once combustible materials dry out sufficiently. On the evening of April 6th, Henline was contacted by a Friday Harbor deputy while he was in his vehicle at the Washington State Ferry's sea lot to serve a trespass warning for a local church property. Henline told Holt he was planning to leave the island and stay with a family member near Oak Harbor. At 9.53 p.m., Henline is seen purchasing a bottle of lighter fluid from a local business, and at 10.04 p.m., the flash is visible on the CCTV footage. One minute later, a subject matching Henline's description is seen quickly leaving the area between the cask and schooner and Crystal Seas kayaking, before retrieving a suitcase at the bottom of the steps by the Cheesecake Cafe. The same subject then moves toward the walk-on section of the ferry terminal, and at 10.13 p.m., Henline is seen boarding the ferry to Anacortes. At the Anacortes terminal, Henline is seen getting into a waiting sedan. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Boys' Soccer Team Becomes State Champions By Heather Spaulding the Wolverines boys' soccer team won the state championship Saturday, November 19th. On Friday, November 18th, the boys won their semifinal game against St. George in the Renton Memorial Stadium, Friday, November 18th, setting them up to play against the Orcas Vikings Saturday afternoon, again in the Renton Stadium. The two talented teams played a tight game, but the Wolverines pulled ahead, winning 2-1. Family, friends, and fans treated them as they returned home on the 9.45 p.m. ferry Saturday evening. Fire trucks, aid cars, police, and island towing fired up their lights and sirens as the ferry pulled in, while the crowd cheered. Boys from the junior varsity soccer team welcomed them with signs. The team walked off the boat, carrying a banner that read, State Champs. Even the ferry captain got in on the celebration congratulating the team over the boat's loudspeaker. From the Islands Weekly, Affordable Housing, Community-Driven Solutions Lena Laventhal and her family of three are about to celebrate a major milestone one year in secure, affordable housing. The Laventhal family left Seattle behind and moved to Lopez Island in 2018 in search of a safe community to raise their son, Benji. But the first three years of island life proved challenging. We were totally naive to how difficult it is to find a rental here, and even when we were lucky enough to find a house, it didn't always cover our basic necessities, said Laventhal as she recounted her first years on the island. In just two years, the Laventhal's rent increased by 20%, and the family often went without water. 
Our water was always going out, and still our landlord dramatically increased our rent. It became unsustainable, but we were told that that's just the way it is in the islands, not getting basic needs met. More than 40% of Lopez residents, 320 plus families, struggle to maintain decent, safe, and affordable places to live, according to Housing Lopez, a not-for-profit housing development organization. That's why the organization decided to build a community of six two-bedroom, one-bathroom homes, each a modest 843 square feet near the heart of Lopez Village. Thanks to $600,000 from San Juan County and a discounted price on the land previously owned by the county's public works department, the project broke ground in the spring of 2021 and was dubbed the Fish Bay Cottages. We wouldn't have been able to do this project without the county, said John Taylor, the co-chair of Housing Lopez. The REET funds we received were key to our ability to fund the project. Otherwise, we'd most likely still be raising money. San Juan County supported the project via the Home Fund, a real estate excise tax-funded program to develop and preserve affordable housing in San Juan County. Over the 12-year tax period approved by voters, the San Juan County Home Fund is projected to generate $15.2 million. In the program's first four years, $932,835 has been spent on Lopez Island. When construction wrapped in the fall of 2021, the Fish Bay Cottages officially welcomed the first tenants, including the Leventhal family. It was kind of a lifesaver, to be honest, and I know my fellow neighbors feel the same way. It's not the fact that it is affordable as much as the fact that it's secure. No one is going to sell this house from underneath me. That's the biggest relief. The units are rented to locals with incomes between 50% and 80% of area median household income and work in essential services. We wanted our first project to support those who are essential to the viability of our community, said Taylor. We wanted to reach those working in healthcare, education, fire and rescue, and other central services who were having a difficult time finding affordable rentals. Housing Lopez already has its sights set on the next project, a 45-unit community in Lopez Village. The organization purchased nine acres in July 2022 and has developed a three-phase plan to build 15 units at a time over the coming years. This project, dubbed Lopez Village North, received an initial commitment of $616,252 from the county's home fund in the 2022 funding round to help offset land acquisition costs. Additionally, in partnership with the county, Housing Lopez applied for and was this month awarded a $400,000 Connecting Housing to Infrastructure grant from the Washington Department of Commerce to help pay for the utility infrastructure for the project. As great of a project as the Fish Bay Cottages is, and it is great and we're proud of it, this is just the first of many, said Taylor. 
and we're going to need the county's help on every one of them. Seeking a Community-Driven Solution Lopez Community Land Trust has been seeking community-driven solutions to the housing crisis since it was incorporated in 1989. Today, the organization has built an impressive resume, including six affordable housing neighborhoods, 47 cooperatively owned homes, and six rental units, among other accomplishments. But after 33 years in the business, the organization knows it's not always a matter of quantity. We don't have a shortage of housing. We have a shortage of availability, said Sandy Bishop, who has served as the executive director of the Lopez Community Land Trust for 25 years. The LCLT estimates that Lopez Island currently has one house for every 1.2 people living on Lopez. However, many of these homes have become short-term rentals, second homes, or are unaffordable to the average local wage earner. This shortage of availability leads to rampant housing instability or undesirable living circumstances. We build these new homes and think, great, we've just freed up 10 other rentals but come to find that people were living in an unheated shack, couch-surfing, or staying temporarily with family, said Bishop. For every ten houses we build, one decent rental opens up. Most recently, San Juan County helped fund the Land Trust's Salish Way neighborhood, ten single-family homes that house 18 islanders. Neighbors include park rangers, carpenters, small business owners, and educators. The last four homes were completed in 2021, and the community has since been recognized by the U.S. Department of Energy as 2021 Housing Innovation Award winner Salish Way 3 Exterior. So many of our housing issues are perfectly solvable with diverse and steady solutions, said Bishop. One of those steady solutions is the county's home fund. LCLT received $232,000 in funding from the home fund. LCLT received $232,000 in funding from the home fund to support the Salish Way 3 project's construction costs, including site work costs, building supplies, structurally insulated panels, and professional service fees. It's a game-changer and one of the strongest things the county has ever done, said Bishop. And I wish the voters would have approved it years ago. Had people been open to it, the islands would be a lot more equitable today in terms of housing. Up next for LCLT will be a project called Fisherman Bay Curve, a new six-unit homeownership project located just outside of Lopez Village. This project also received an initial funding commitment from the county's home fund in 2022 of $1,107,000. The Fisherman Bay Curve project is slated to begin construction next year. To learn more about Housing Lopez, Lopez Community Land Trust, and the Home Fund, please visit www.sjchomefund.com. And now, some brief selections from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On November 10th, 
An Orcas deputy responded to a report of a person showing up at a residence and yelling at the housekeeper. The individual was not found nor identified. A San Juan deputy responded to Friday Harbor High School for a narcotics violation involving a student who was found in possession of drugs. The deputy responded and took custody of the drugs. The student had been released to their parents. The case will be forwarded to Superior Court Services and Compass Health. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. On November 12th, a Lopez resident reported a burglary to a barn on their property. Deputies on Orcas responded to what was reported to be a domestic dispute. No crime was committed, and one of the people involved asked for and was offered a ride to a hotel. That person changed their mind and opted to call a taxi. Why wouldn't you take a ride in a cruiser? It's not often you can do that and not be going to jail. A San Juan deputy stopped a driver of a vehicle for failing to stop at a stop sign. Upon contact, it was found that a passenger in the car was wanted on an active warrant. The passenger was arrested for the warrant, and the driver received a warning for failing to stop at a stop sign. On November 15th, a deputy on Orcas responded to a report of disorderly conduct. Apparently, there was some confusion between the two construction zones and where the flagging zones began and finished. A warning was issued. This concludes the November 23rd edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this fall with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week for more news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.